Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question. How you been, man? It's been a couple weeks. Been a couple weeks. It's been weird not recording a podcast, but we were trying to figure out how we were going to kind of keep this thing running because we were so exhausted. And hey, the couple weeks off helped us. I'm doing well, though, Joey. How you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm hanging in there, uh, running on four hours of sleep right now. It's, uh, it was a great day of work. Uh, we flew in first thing. We were in uh, Atlanta for a wedding all weekend, and so I get to deal with sleep deprivation as a result of that. That's a good time. Um, but I'm good, Mike. Uh, I, it's exciting to kind of get back together here and discuss some uh, some ACC football. we got some interesting topics here. A couple of uh, – first off, we got to start with – the, the coaching carousel has come to a stop, and we we have results, Mike. Uh, first and foremost, I, I will bring up the fact Georgia Tech did not hire Ken Wisenhunt as their head coach. Good. And it was a great day. Good. Glad they didn't do that. That would have Absolutely. been a disaster. Yeah, uh, that would have been a complete mess. Uh, they didn't. Uh, I think it might have been thank, it, thanks in part to Wisenhunt possibly just turning them down, which, you know, I, thank you, Ken. Whatever, whatever gets the job done, uh, you know, it, like, like they say in golf, you know, they don't draw pictures on the scorecard. So however, <laughs> however, you have to get to that end result is is fine with the fan base in this case with Georgia Tech. It's all just a means to an end. Uh, Mike, no, they didn't hire Ken Wisenhunt. Georgia Tech officially hires Temple head coach Jeff Collins. Uh, Collins spent two years as head coach at Temple. He went 15 and 10. But in my mind, more importantly, he. Uh, he did really, really well in conference play. Uh, you know, in an AAC team like that, and they played some tougher uh, out-of-conference teams. You know, Jeff Collins did pretty well up there. Previously, he had spent a couple years as defensive coordinator at Florida and then four years as, as defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. All the while, um, he was really good, had some really strong defenses, basically all of the last eight seasons, ever since he took over at Mississippi State. Um also noteworthy here, Mike, is that he has spent time at Georgia Tech twice in the past. Um, I, I thought that was really important, you know, and one of the things that Todd Stansbury was looking for was a guy who kind of knows about Georgia Tech and the unique challenges it brings. Um, and Collins had spent time with Georgia Leary back in the late 90s and then uh, spent a year with Chan Gailey putting together that uh, pretty legendary 2006 recruiting class for Georgia Tech. So he had the experience. Um, he He's a pretty different guy than Paul Johnson. Um, he's a very energetic guy. He's a big, uh, you know, he's a big recruiter. He's a big promoter. Um, I, I, my big takeaway here, Mike, is that I don't know whether or not this is going to work out on the field or not, but regardless of whether it does or doesn't, football at Georgia Tech is going to be, at the very least, way more exciting and interesting, I think, than it's been in a while, uh, just with a lot of attention will be brought to the program. Temple stays churning out really good coaches. 
And specifically, they keep churning out ACC coaches, right? Mm -hmm. So let's go. Let's kind of take an inventory here. Al Golden, former Temple coach. Steven Dazio. Yeah, LOL. That did, that started out okay and did not end very well. <laughs> uh, Steve Adazio, uh, former Temple coach, now at BC. Uh, Jeff Collins, former Temple coach, now at Georgia Tech. Uh, the one guy who is who I think is probably the best coach out of out of these out of this group that's happens to not be in the ACC is Matt Rule, who's now at Baylor. Uh, really good Temple coach, right? So, and as we'll get into a little bit later, Temple just hired an ACC coordinator, and we'll see how that goes. But this is really interesting. Temple has turned into one of these programs that's you know pretty relevant most of the time and a really solid AAC school, and then they just turn into oh okay recruiting factory for coaches right so you go there you kind of develop as a head coach you you know have a program with a really solid infrastructure there at temple and then you parlay that into a big time coaching job elsewhere so that's the case here with jeff collins and georgia tech i agree with you i think the program instantly becomes more interesting um you know you bring in a guy in jeff collins who's had recruiting who's been a very good recruiter uh, everywhere he's been. He's going to bring guys on the staff that know how to recruit. In fact, he's already done so. And now Georgia Tech's in a position where they're going to go from a triple option to a more exciting spread type offense, we would assume, and one that will hopefully bring uh, more points and you know more fun to this offense that really outside of the option run at its peak with Georgia Tech has kind of been offense has been pretty vanilla and pretty back in the 1970s, which now we're in the situation where it's a more modern offense, Joey. And I think the fan base will be a little bit happier, hopefully with the results of that offense, even though, you know, at its peak, Paul Johnson had a lot of good offenses there at Georgia Tech. But, you know, with him retiring, it's time for kind of a new era of Georgia Tech football. And I think Jeff Collins is a really interesting hire. I think he brings that to the table. Uh, I think, generally speaking, the fan base is pretty happy with the hire um, outside of a few people here and there. But that's it's going to be like that with any hire, Joey. So I think it's a good hire. I think Jeff Collins will have this thing heading in the right direction sooner rather than later. Uh, Georgia Tech obviously um, had a solid season this year, had a really strong um, October and November to get themselves back to bowl eligibility. And uh, hopefully they can turn things back in the right direction with recruiting. In fact, he's already done so. Yeah, he has done some some initial work already in recruiting. Um, he, he has hit the trail hard, you know, coming right out of that uh, intro press conference a little over a week ago. Um, I think my my big takeaway, one of the, one, my other big takeaway here, Mike, is it's we've spent a lot of time and, I, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people over the last several years about Georgia Tech having, uh, you know, a, a theoretical ceiling and what they're ever going to be in terms of recruiting and having a, a theoretical, you know, I guess me having some issues with how well they have or haven't really connected with Joe College football fan in, in Atlanta. Um, They've not done a lot to like really market the program effectively. And I think with the Collins hire, once again, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but you're about to see what anybody would be capable of here in terms of recruiting and in terms of engagement of the, the local community. So I'm pretty excited. I don't know that he necessarily was my number one choice, but he was probably a you know second or third choice in my book. Um, I think the biggest thing I would have liked to see, you know, in a track record of a coach that Georgia Tech is hiring is just a little bit more track record of success. Um, he he did only spend a couple of years as a head coach up at Temple, you know, and, and again he did pretty well, but it, it would I would feel better if he had you know four or five years under his belt and. 
you know, a, a continued winning record. Um, one of the things I will say is that there was some grief being given on Twitter, I think the morning of his hiring about, um, oh, well, you know, he took a 10-win Temple team and, you know, went 6-6 six and six in the regular season. It's like, no, he took a 10-win Temple team that was losing its senior quarterback, its senior running back, a whole bunch of his front seven on defense that were seniors, uh, and, and a really good offensive lineman lost all of that and still got the team to a bowl game, you know, in the midst of a coaching change and all these things. So, yeah, yeah, it was dropping, you know, four wins in the regular season, but there's a lot of context there that has to be included as well. So long story short, I'm happy with it. I like it. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, And uh, we'll, you know, we'll just have to see. It's going to be a really interesting transition. He's not really given a lot of indication of, what the offense will or won't entail. He said a lot of very vague things like multiple and tempo and, you know, NFL concepts. Although what does that even mean these days? Um, So a lot of those kinds of things, you know, but again, he hasn't announced the staff as we record this Monday night, December 17th. We haven't heard of the staff yet. We haven't really gotten a lot of specifics on the scheme. So time will tell, but I promise you it will look different from Paul Johnson's option attack. And we'll see how it turns out. I mean, should be solid, mm-hmm. I would think. But, hey, I mean, the way I look at it, Georgia Tech could have gone a lot worse with this hire. I mean, this could have been something completely different. They could have done something crazy like hire Ken Wisenhunt. For example. <laughs> Just th- throwing something out there. Right. All right. Georgia Tech hires Jeff Collins. The other uh, coaching search that was not yet tied up in the ACC was Louisville. When we last spoke, Mike, uh, they had just been snubbed by Jeff Brom. And um, it was a little bit of a dicey situation. A lot of Louisville fans not happy about that, kind of caught off guard. Um, They ended up making the hire that we thought they might make in the wake of that. And they went and got Appalachian State's Scott Satterfield. Mike, you approve? Good hire. Very good hire. Always have a good backup plan. Scott Satterfield was that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this could have been a lot worse coming off of the heels of the Jeff Brom uh, extravaganza, I'll call it. Yeah, oh, it totally could have been. Um, there were some Louisville fans on Twitter, again, that were kind of pushing back on this saying, oh, you know, he was at Appalachian State. What, it, you know, why are we hiring from them? It's like, I don't know who you think you're supposed to be hiring from, but he's a guy that did really, really well there for quite a while. And, not only that, but even another feather in his cap is he brought Appalachian State from FCS into FBS. Yep. And within a season had them winning like 10 games a year. Yep. That's amazing. That's like what Kansas State fans were complaining about hiring Chris Kleiman, who's 66 and 6 at North Dakota State with five national championships. Mm hmm. Stop complaining. He's yep. good. Yeah, and he's ready to win his sixth. I mean, that, that's exactly what's going on there at Kansas State. The fan base is saying the same thing. Oh, we couldn't do better than an FCS coach. And yeah. it's like, come on, guys, we can do better than this now. Um, really like the Satterfield hire, though, for Louisville. I think if you're going to swing and miss on Brom, Satterfield is probably the next best thing out of the pool of candidates they were looking at. So I don't know. I'm interested to see how this turns out. Obviously, Satterfield's first big time coaching job. Um, you know, he's been at App State. We talked about this on the podcast before, Joey. I think you brought it up. It's the I guess the one question about Satterfield is that, you know, he's been comfortable there. He's been a guy who's coached there you know for the entirety of his career so like how will he do at a major power five job and i guess that's the biggest question regarding satterfield but joey good coaching travels so i i think that this is a good hire we'll see how it turns out i mean there's certainly going to be more 
at his disposal at Louisville than there was at Appalachian State in terms of you know what he's recruiting to and the facilities that he has. And obviously, Louisville's got a really nice stadium with new renovations. So I don't know. We'll see how it turns out. I think that he should do pretty well there. Good coaching does travel, Mike. And I, I think so. Again, I, I mentioned my uh, my grief with Collins being that he doesn't have a super long track record of success as a head coach. Um, my thing with Satterfield, so he does have a, a lengthier track record, five years, you know, six years, really, as Appalachian State's head coach. The last four of them, you know, they, they won 11, 10, 9, and 10 games. They won three bowl games. They're playing in another one, like, later this week. I mean, he did a lot of good things there. The problem with Satterfield is that he's, like, never coached anywhere else other than Appalachian State. Jeff Collins has bounced around to these different, you know, different schools, different coaching trees. They've talked about how he's worked for Nick Saban. He's worked on the uh, Urban Meyer coaching tree, all this stuff. Scott Satterfield started his career coaching – in 1998 as the wide receivers coach at Appalachian State. In 2018, he he finishes his tenure as Appalachian State, and there's only three years in between that he wasn't there. So, you know, again, can does he know what it looks like at other programs and all this? You know, I don't think it'll be an issue. Again, good coaching travels. You know, you've got more, more facilities and more resources now to utilize in, in recruiting and all this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a really, really good hire. It's just curious to see if, if, you know, a guy from Boone, North Carolina, if this is going to work out and I, I think it will, you know, but we'll see. It's devil's advocate. We're trying to find the negatives with each coach. You know, we got to find something to kind of push back on. It's, I mean, there's going to be something with every coach, like there always is. So we're just pointing those out to you. And, and I actually had the other thought too, Mike is, Georgia Tech hires Jeff Collins. Louisville hires Scott Satterfield. In a weird way, I almost feel like both schools might have been better off hiring the opposite guy. Scott Satterfield used to, you know, winning with less talent. And again, you talk about a guy, a place that has some academic restrictions and some general recruiting restrictions like Georgia Tech does. Seems like that could fit him really well. Jeff Collins, you know, having uh, you know a lot of experience recruiting, especially in Florida and that kind of thing, where Louisville has made a lot of hay in history, you know, recruiting. Um, it's it's just it was an interesting thought that I had that it was you know both programs might have made good hires, but they might have made better hires if they just traded. <laughs> but uh, you know, either way, it should work out for both. I think we'll see. Uh, Mike, the thing about these guys getting hired is that they they left their respective programs. Again, Jeff Collins leaves Temple. Scott Satterfield leaves Appalachian State. That left voids at each of these places. And we should also report on who is filling those voids. Uh, and something that you alluded to a little bit earlier, replacing Jeff Collins at Temple, we talked about this a while ago, is how this guy hadn't gotten an opportunity as a head coach Mike, it's Miami defensive coordinator Manny Diaz now going to Temple, uh, going to be taking on his first head coaching job. And I don't know if that's more important or if it's more important that now Miami's got to look for another defensive coordinator. And you better find a good one because that's been the best part of that team for two years and the only reason they've been nationally relevant. And he's a pretty decent recruiter, which I feel like is really important to note, considering that, as we put here in the notes, Joey, recruiting is in shambles at Miami. Yeah. It is falling apart fast. Yes, that feels relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this is interesting. So Manny Diaz, he's been rumored for a number of different head coaching jobs. Who knows how serious he's 
been at any of the places he's been rumored to uh, over the past few years uh, when the coaching carousel has gone round and round. Uh, but he ends up at Temple, and this is a very interesting hire on a couple of fronts. Um, number one, you look at Manny Diaz and you're thinking, okay, well, he's a really good defensive coordinator, and he heads to Temple. And this is his first head coaching gig. On one hand, you're thinking, okay, is Temple the best he could have done as far as potential head coaching jobs? So that's if you want to look at negatively. If you want to look at it on the other hand, like we mentioned, Joey, Temple churns out coaches. They take these coaches and they propel them into higher positions elsewhere, right? So Miami, you know, you look at Manny Diaz, he's now at Temple. Maybe he parlays that into a major power five job. And Joey, you mentioned this before we hit record. There's one job in particular that could potentially come open in the next few years that he might be a very good candidate for. What job would that be? Uh, Mike, what are the odds that two years from now, Mark Richt is still the head coach at Miami? Is it better or worse than the odds that Manny Diaz is the next head coach at Miami? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real question. Um, so we're just throwing that out there. Just, I don't know, December 17th, 2018, around 7.55 Eastern time. Maybe Manny Diaz is the next Miami head coach. So keep an eye on that. That timelines might mesh up there. We can call that shot. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I'll give you full credit when it happens. Well, and, and I tell you what, though, is that if that job does come open, I'm not entirely sure if it's because Miami has fired Mark Richter. Mark Rick has thrown his hands up and said, forget this. I'm done. Yeah, he was he was done before he got to Miami. And then he got the Miami job. I was like, no, I could do this. I could keep going. That's my alma mater. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so keep an eye on that situation. Um, if if Mark Richt is at some point out as Miami's head coach, you can bet your bottom dollar that the first call they're going to make is Manny Diaz. Um, I would love to have Cam come on here and tell me how wrong that is and how there is a very clear opposite, you know, other candidate with ties to Miami and all that. And I'm I'm sure there is one that I'm just not thinking of. But for now, it's fun to think about. Cam likes Manny Diaz. Yes. Manny, Manny did really, really well there for two years as a defensive coordinator and as a recruiter. This is a this is a big issue for Mark Rick's staff at this point is finding someone even in the neighborhood of what he was able to provide on both of those fronts. Right. And Miami's defense did take a step back this year, you know, in comparison to the 2017 defense that forced a million turnovers. And what do you know? Turnover luck is a thing. And uh, that's, you know. One of the reasons why they took a step back. Also, the pass rush this year for Miami wasn't nearly as good as it has been. Uh, but like you mentioned, it was certainly the best part of that team this year was the defense still, um, even with a slight step back from 2017. So, I mean, Manny Diaz is a heck of a coach. Miami's got their work cut out for them. Uh, this has major implications on the ACC on a number of fronts. Number one, uh, one of the best coordinators in the conference is now going elsewhere. Um, number two, Miami's recruiting takes a huge step back. Um, Miami as a whole hasn't had a very good season this year. Obviously they were, you know, they barely make bowl eligibility, a team that we thought would probably win the coastal division at the start of the year. Wasn't even really competitive to win the coastal. So there are a number of issues here, both in, in the present and the future on how this kind of, uh, ties the whole ACC together, specifically in the coastal division with all the turnover with, um, you know, Jeff Collins taking the Georgia tech job. Now Miami's replacing a defensive coordinator, losing all their recruits. They were the favorite in the ACC. Virginia Tech obviously took a big step back this year. So it's in North Carolina, new head coach and entirely new staff. So 
fluid situation here developing in the Coastal Division. I'm curious to see how it turns out. So Manny Diaz filling the hole left by Jeff Collins. Uh, filling the hole left by Scott Satterfield at Appalachian State, Mike. NC State offensive coordinator Eli Drinkwitz. Well done. Is that a good hire? I don't know. I'll go, I'll go with sure. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, he ran some pretty good offenses. It it felt like they probably fell short of their ceiling at NC State, but they were good. I mean, they were effective. He helped coach up a, a, a really good, you know, likely first to second round NFL quarterback in Ryan Finley. Yeah. I mean, I guess you got to rate it through the lens of App State. Like, who else were they going to get? I mean, I think they could have done a lot worse in Drinkwitz. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how this works out. Drinkwitz is another guy who we've kind of been waiting to see what kind of head coaching opportunity he would get. Um, you know, obviously operating a pretty solid offense at NC State. And now you take that and you apply it as a head coach at App State. It's interesting. Um, perhaps not as big. Well, I mean, we can argue this, I guess. What's the bigger job, Temple or App State? But. Um, I, I think Drinkwitz has an opportunity there uh, at App State. You know, you stay in the state of North Carolina, so that helps recruiting right away. Um, you're familiar with who you're recruiting against and the territory. So I think at the very least you have that going for you. And you have an offense that's operated effectively in the ACC. No reason to think that he couldn't operate that same offense at App State with the same level of success. So it uh, should be solid. We'll see. Keep in mind, too, is, is people say, oh, well, you know, Ryan Finley transferred in from Boise State. Like, you know, he, he didn't work with Drinkwitz for that long. Well, Mike, remember where Drinkwitz came from? Boise State. From the blue turf. Yeah, so he he pretty much coached up Ryan Finley the whole time he was in college. Um, so that's I, I think that's a little feather in the cap if you're, if you're an OC working with that guy for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good – good hire. He ran some generally good offenses and they, they had some exciting players and they used talent well and that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm curious. I knew that there were a lot of guys that they were interviewing that were a little more specifically tied to Appalachian state, but it, I don't know that you can really use that as a, a really good criteria for any given coaching search. Right. I mean, Georgia tech was tied to Jeff Collins in that he had spent two stints there for a grand total of like four years and nothing in the past decade, right? Yeah. Whereas they, they were talking about, you know, oh, what about our defensive coordinator and our offensive coordinator and like all, you know, right? So just guys that are already there, um, it's kind of right. different. Yeah, and they were interviewing Wizenhut, who obviously had ties to Georgia Tech. So, I mean, we see mm -hmm. we see this with every, uh, you know, with, like you said, every position, um, every school, it's universal across all conferences. And quick side note, how about the coaching carousel this cycle for the state of North Carolina? You got everything going on at App State, NC State looking now to replace an offensive coordinator, North Carolina entirely new staff. So, yeah, pretty crazy times here um, in the state of North Carolina. Yeah, football going to look kind of different up there next year. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of shuffling around, but again, a lot of the a lot of similar pieces just kind of moving to different places on the board. Um, so once again, Miami looking for a defensive coordinator and now NC State looking for an offensive coordinator as they uh, respectively go to Temple and Appalachian State as head coaches. Uh, congratulations to them. Good luck to their schools in replacing them. Uh, Mike, we got a little bit more coaching carousel related news. Um, big thing from North Carolina. So Mac Brown has announced his head coach. He has now announced his staff. 
his offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, uh, is coming from Ole Miss, where he ran some really good offenses the last couple of years. Uh, defensive coordinators, he has promoted Tommy Figpen from the linebackers coach to co-defensive coordinator. Joining him as co-defensive coordinator will be Jay Bateman coming from Army. We talked about how Mac needed to hire some really good coordinators here. How did he do? He could have done a lot worse. Yeah, I'll give it that. He could have done a lot worse. Um, it's schematically, it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, it will be. I mean, you got a spread offense now with Phil Longo coming over from Ole Miss. You got Jay Bateman, who's coached the Army defense, which everybody uh multiple podcasts too like everybody's talking about this so we might as well bring it up on ours as well uh jay bateman the army defensive coordinator is used to operating a defense that has a triple option offense on the other side of the ball so limited amount of possessions per game limited amount of snaps for his defense and well 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 let's just try to score a million points per game now with phil longo's offense and let's see how your defense holds up albeit they will have better athletes at North Carolina than they did at Army, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That's going to be a very interesting dynamic because you got an offense who wants to score at a million miles per hour, and then you got a defense that is used to, or a defensive coordinator that's used to coaching with a triple option on the other side of the field. So, I mean, hey, the coaches themselves, just like looking at them, just kind of in that context, the coaches themselves are really good, right? They've had success where they've been. So, Mac Brown could have done a lot worse with his coordinators. Uh, pretty decent recruiters. You look at Bateman in particular, you know, he's he's coaching at Army, right? So you recruit the guys you recruit and you just kind of see how it all shakes out. If It's not a situation where you're exact, you know, you're not going out looking at four and five star players. You're looking at guys who want to go and play, you know, who had very solid high school careers and want to go to a service academy. And that's what they have in their future. Ole Miss, uh, <laughs> they've had issues recruiting, but for other reasons, but they've they've pulled in their fair share of talent and Phil Longo's had some pretty impressive players there at Ole Miss in a short time there um, on Matt Luke's staff. So I don't know. Should be okay. Mike, are you a, are you a sandwich guy? I'm a sandwich guy. So if you, if you're hungry, you're going to go get lunch uh, from work. You know, you're going to go get a sandwich. What's, what's the place you go get a sandwich at Subway? So, I mean, there's Subway, there's Potbelly. You got Potbelly in Texas. We got a couple of them around. yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Okay, so when you when you go to you know a subway right and you start walking them down the line, are you one of those people that as you're asking them to put things on the sandwich that you know you're thinking about? There's like a there's like a an end product that we're going towards here, or is it just anything that kind of is a thing that you like? You're going to throw it on there, and you're going to get to the end, and it's going to be what it's going to be. Oh no, you you always got the end goal in mind, Joey. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, you get. I'm not trying to put you know tomatoes and pickles on my buffalo chicken sandwich right like you know let's let's you know let's have a, a certain goal in mind here this feels like mac brown went shopping and wasn't really thinking about what the end product is going to look like right like he went and got some kind of good pieces and had no idea how they're going to fit together yeah give me some rickettoni and oh some ketchup yeah yeah that kind of thing it yeah he's got good pieces here I question how they fit together because as we talked about before we came on here, the numbers for Army's defense this year look really good. 
it helps that they were only on the field a shade over 20 minutes a game. And I think the entire 12 games they played, they saw a grand total of like 600 offensive snaps, meaning they were playing a bit, about 50 snaps a game on defense. Now you're going to ask them to go play 80 to 90 snaps on defense. How are the numbers going to look then? I don't know. Um, we'll have to see, but that's that's my biggest concern here is that it seems a little bit like Mac Brown might not have really thought through a cohesive team strategy, or he's going to ask people to do things that they're not particularly good at. You know, if he if he starts pulling a an Orgeron, getting involved in Longo's offense, telling him to slow it down and and stop going over the top so much, it's like, what'd you hire him for? <laughs> Let the guy do what he does well. So. I'm curious to see if this works. I I have my suspicions as to whether it will. That's fine. Do you think they'll recruit well? Yes, yeah, sure. I guess. Yeah. Would you go play for 68-year-old Mac Brown? He's giving me a scholarship, I would. <laughs> when you put it that way, uh, yeah. yeah. Different, different context. Yeah. I mean, you don't get to be the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss if you can't recruit. Mac Brown, we say that he's a good recruiter, this kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, sure. I guess there will be talent there, but it's not like there was a lack of talent to begin with. I mean, Larry Fedora recruited pretty well, and that whole staff did. So, I don't know. I'm curious. Coin flip city on this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, uh, that's all of the ACC-related coaching news that we have, although we should probably – we would be remiss – uh, if we did not bring up the fact that two weeks ago on our, on our episode, we talked about how like inconceivably you know, Bowling Green hired Scott Leffler to be their head coach, despite there not being any sort of track record whatsoever of Scott Leffler being like a competent football coach. Um, we need to follow up on that, Mike, because in the, in the time since then, Scott Leffler has started putting together his, um, his staff and, in part of doing so, I think it's notable that he retained former defensive coordinator and then former interim head coach Carl Polini. He's staying on staff as defensive coordinator, which, you know, that could work. We'll see. Uh, but maybe more importantly, he hired to be his associate head coach and his linebackers coach, the notorious BVG, Mike. Question. Mike, yes. Why? I I don't know. Okay. Keep in mind that this is Scott Leffler, the guy who whose offense last year caught fire in a game where they scored 45 points on a Louisville defense. And I guess Van Gorder wasn't there at the time. But this, this is like a, a staff of dudes who don't really have anything to their name and yet somehow keep getting jobs. So that's inevitably going to go great. It's going to go great. Name that Polini. It's not Bo. Yeah, it's Carl. Surprise. Um, yeah. yeah. I have no idea if this is going to work. But I, do. I mean, <laughs> it's Bowling nah. Green. It's, it's Bowling Green. So, like, okay. Scott. Okay, put it this way. Scott Leffler as head coach is replacing the guy who the AD hired because he Googled who has a good offense and went and got that guy, which is the laziest – like most insane thing you can possibly do. Yeah, who has a good offense, but like in actuality, like his offense is never really that good. So yeah. that's that's the other thing. Like they have stretches where it's good, right? Like Virginia Tech had stretches where their offense was good with Leffler. Like 
BC had stretches where their offense was good with Leffler, and we saw what happened down the stretch. The BC offense wasn't all that good, Joey. Mm-hmm. Was not all that good. Mm-mm. And what do you know? BC all of a sudden, hey, they're seven and five. Um, but hey, let's go hire Scott Leffler. Oh, hey, Carl Polini, come over as defense coordinator. Brian Van Gorder. Oh, yeah, you've had a lot of success everywhere you've been. Um, why don't you come on over and be linebacker? Mike, I was reading an article today about grading the coaching hires. They gave Bowling Green a B. Absolutely not. That's no like chance. a D at best. Yeah. I don't like literally anybody they've hired so far. Like Carl Pelini's a bad hire. Brian Van Gorder as linebacker's coach, bad hire. Scott Leffler as head coach, bad hire. Like I, I like nothing about this. Nothing about this. There's no to me, there's no upside. What's the upside here? I I don't I'm having trouble finding it. I do not understand at all. Um, I'm trying to think through like maybe he's a recruiter of sorts. I mean, he he has recruited some good players. He recruited Shy McKenzie to Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, and then whoops, Shy found the 14 year old girls or whatever it was. Was that him? Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's that's Shy McKenzie and Whoa. multiple ACL injuries and oh god, that could have gone better. So yeah. Um, good luck, Bowling Green. That'll be fun. Oh my god. Um, why did why did you oh brought back Shy McKenzie? That hurts. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 hits close to home. Yeah. Well, hey, Georgia Tech recruited him. Virginia Tech just yeah. won. You dodged a bullet. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. We won what? <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't good. Whatever they won. It could have been a lot better. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mike, that's all we got on coaching news. There is one more thing that we got to do before we get out of here. We got to preview our first bowl game. Hey, tis the season. Uh, we're coming up on the first bowl game of the of the season for the ACC. We're just going to do this game. It's a few days ahead of uh, all the rest of them, so we're going to come back in some form or fashion and preview all of them. We still haven't decided if it's going to be a daily thing or a by the game thing or how we're going to do it. But in any case, uh, we need to start by previewing the Birmingham Bowl, Mike. Hey, it's yo. on Saturday, December 22nd at noon on ESPN. The Wake Forest Steeman Deeks, a three-and-a-half-point underdog to the Memphis Tigers. I'm not going to lie, Mike. This feels like a bad matchup for Wake Forest. Memphis really, really good on offense and honestly just a, a pretty good AAC team. I don't love this matchup for the Deeks. I don't either. Uh, Memphis can really run the ball. Wake Forest can really not stop the run. So mm-hmm. that's a feather in the cap of the Memphis Tigers, who I think overall are just a better team here. Um, that's the main issue I see with this matchup. But with that being said, like Memphis's defense isn't all that good. And Wake Forest, when they're clicking, now that's when they're clicking, if they're clicking, big if, um, they can score like a lot. And Jamie Newman showed that when he stepped in for Sam Hartman late in the year, when he was consistent and when they got the running game going and they kind of had a really balanced attack, Wake Forest was pretty good offensively. And I'm interested to see what happens here. It's a matchup of two pretty bad defenses, Joey. And there should be a lot of points. And a lot of people are not going to watch this game because it's like, oh, it's Wake Forest, it's Memphis. Like, how exciting can it be? Uh, it could be real exciting. It could mm-hmm. be like a lot of points. Uh, Joey, remind me again what the over under is here. Uh, that would be 74 and a half points, Mike. That's a lot of points. That's two and a half touchdowns. Yes, that's that's a lot, and I think they can get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the defenses on both sides having a complete inability to stop each other, 
I think we can definitely see 75 points. I kind of lean over. I lean over too. That's a lot. I mean, Wake Forest offense has to be consistent. I think they can be. They've had weeks to prepare. Um, Memphis's offense has been really good, specifically running the football all year. And the passing game has been kind of a work in progress, a little bit behind the running game, but they've been fine. And hey, I mean, the defenses can't stop anything. So a lot of points. I lean Memphis here, though. I lean Memphis here. I will say, I think we might have oversold Sam Hartman a little bit for a lot of the year with Wake, but ever since he was replaced early in that NC State game with Jamie Newman, their offense has been legitimately really good. They've scored a lot of points. They played really well down the stretch. Um, that's where I almost feel better about them scoring now that you know that, that Newman's in the game and, and been taking that role on. Um but, Mike, yeah, the, the Tigers run the hell out of the ball. Daryl Henderson has been a, an absolute monster for them. 1,900 yards, 22 touchdowns this year. The thing is, though, I'm not so sure he's playing in this game. Um, in fact, he's not playing in this game. Uh, he will not play in this draft. In, in this game, he will be going straight to the draft, and he is done as a Tiger. So, at that point, then what for Memphis? Um, that's probably the only thing – that is making me hesitate from just taking Memphis three and a half is not enough with Wake Forest. I don't think um, I kind of trust Memphis more in this game in, in a way. And I, I would say, all right, two things. One is Henderson leaving for the draft. The other thing that makes me nervous is Memphis had UCF dead to rights in the AAC championship game and then just got smoked in the second half. And I wonder if there's a little bit of a letdown. What are we doing here? Screw it. Doesn't matter. Whatever kind of factor that, you know, kind of limits what whatever Memphis is going to be in this game. So I at the end of the day, I just think Memphis is the better team. Um, I, I, I think that they should, you know, they should be able to win this game. Like they're an eight and five team that probably played a little bit even better than that. Um, they lost to UCF the first time by one point in the game they had won. They had, you know, they almost beat UCF twice. Um, and at that point, if you if you take those out, they had a bad loss to Tulane, who Wake barely beat. Um, they lost to Navy and they lost to Missouri. And I don't know. I'm leaning Memphis here, Mike. I'm leaning Memphis. Just take, you know, give the three and a half with the Tigers. And uh, I don't feel good about this matchup for the Deeks. You, you mentioned Daryl Henderson leaving early. Patrick Taylor, um, the second part of the one-two punch for Memphis. Uh, He's not the headliner guy, but he's still pretty good. He had a thousand yards rushing this year and 15 touchdowns. So uh, they stay churning out running backs, just like Temple stays churning out head coaches. Uh, Memphis can run the football here. And Patrick Taylor is not Daryl Henderson, but he's not bad. Yeah. And even at that point, you know, he was still averaging over five and a half yards per carry on the year. That's quite good. Yeah quite good um let's see where wake forest is nationally they're 95th nationally in average yards per carry allowed they are allowing 4.85 yards per carry on the season mike mm-hmm. not ideal not great not great um yeah i'm gonna lay the three and a half with memphis take the tigers i think they win in a, a little bit of a shootout but it should be a fun you know shootouty kind of game you go memphis um 49 to 38. Wow. Way over. Yeah, quite over. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, that's cool. I'll go uh, 42 to 37 Memphis. There you still go. Hits, still hits the over. And I gave you a point total, which I never do. Yeah, I'm proud of you. There you're we making go. progress. I am. <laughs> okay, so we're both on Memphis here. Yeah, there's there's some stuff. I, I don't know that I would recommend betting this game at all, honestly. No. Um, over. Take the over. If anything, yeah. Just hope for a really pointsy kind of game. Um, yeah. I don't know that the under is really that much of an option here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, t- take the over. Don't bet the point spread because neither you nor I would be surprised if Wake Forest won here. I don't think it would be like earth-shattering news. I have no idea what's going to happen here except they're going to score a ton. Yeah. So we'll see. At this point, I am I am no longer really – this is going to sound like an oxymoron. I am no longer surprised when Wake like far exceeds our expectations. Dave Clawson has done a really good job coaching that team. And he will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless there's another job that happens to just kind of come open that he gets rumored in again. But I don't know if that's going to happen. If Manny Diaz likes the cold and um, anger and rudeness of Philly, then maybe he turns down Miami, and now Dave Clawson's going to Miami. That's a oh. thought. Hey, Clawfence on South Beach. Man, the Miami fan base would be in tears if that happened. I would think it was a really good hire, and Miami would be so underwhelmed by that. Like, their fans would not be happy. From uh, Wake Friggin' Forest? Yeah, Wake Forest isn't good. <laughs> da, da, da. They have the same freaking record every year. Uh, with the exception of the 10-3 and aberration that we had last year with Miami, they have the same freaking record as Wake Forest every year the last five years, and they're going to complain about their coach. Make uh, no mistake, it was an aberration. It was absolutely an aberration. And Wake Forest is in a tougher division. So, you know, just there you go. Something to take into consideration. Absolutely. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else? I don't think so. That just about covers it. I I mean, this was largely coaching carousel. We'll get into more bowl previews here soon because they're starting to ramp up. Yeah. We're coming at you later this week with some more bowl previews. Um, Christmas Day is a week from tomorrow. Get your shopping done if you haven't yet. And uh, if you're like me and you haven't really started your shopping yet, you're screwed. Oh, yeah. You're in big trouble. Um, However, bowl games are the day after Christmas, so you're only screwed for so long. It's going to get better, promise. Um, But we're going to come back at some point later this week, maybe into the weekend, and preview uh, a lot of those ACC bowl games. We're going to have previews for every game, including the playoff. You know, Clemson-Notre Dame will be fun. Um. Mike, I look forward to coming back and doing those. Uh, in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FGRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Hey, and shout out Andrew Parker, uh, chief emailer uh, of the podcast here. Uh, know that you know, I've, I've heard you're kind of going through a tough time right now. I just wanted to you know, give some uh, words of encouragement. You know, our thoughts and prayers are with you and uh, anything you're dealing with. Um, you know, really appreciate your, your constant uh, interaction and participation in the podcast. Um, best wishes to you and your family. Um, Mike, they can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free and tell them where they can find us on the social medias. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Hell yeah. Please do that. Please do that. Uh, Mike, they can also find us on YouTube. If they want to come check out my sweet Adidas Georgia tech shirt that I'm wearing in honor of, uh, our coach, Jeff Collins. Um, that's it. 
Coach, uh, of the, Mike, co- coach of the podcast. That's right. Yeah. Official official coach of the Basketball Conference podcast. That's right. Yep. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, I think we're good, man. Looking forward to uh, previewing some bowl games here. Yeah, it is the season. It is the season. Should be fun. Um, I think we're going to preview those games, and then we'll probably have one more preview because I think Clemson's going to the national title game. Do you? I, I do, but I don't think it'll be as easy as some people think it will be. So I, we'll have to come ooh, back and talk about that. Ooh, I think I agree with that. We'll have to talk about it. We'll talk yep. more. That's a, that's a good old radio tease for you. I like it. Something like that. All right. Anyways, Mike, we'll talk soon. Uh, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.